0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Welcome. My name is Bill, and I want to invite you to make yourself at home here this morning if you haven't done so already. After the service, uh, for those of you that are new or newer for about 15 minutes, we're going to have a little gathering back in the cafe, which is in the back of the room to the left there. For those that would like to know a little bit more about the church, uh, we call it a new to know session. If you're new, things that we'd like to know about you and you'd like to know about us. 15 minutes, love to meet with you briefly, answer any questions you have. So that'll be immediately following the service this morning, and, uh, and uh, we'll let you get out of here pretty quickly. So looking forward to that. How are you doing? You doing all right? You doing all right? Good, good, good. Um, uh, A little while ago, after the holidays, Teresa and I got together with some friends, peers, grandparents. And we're young grandparents, meaning we have young grandkids. Uh, And when you get together with fellow grandparents, you always talk about your grandkids, right? And inevitably, it gets to this kind of a conversation. Boy, things have changed since we were kids. And in fact... We think of all the safety features that our children have that we never had, and we have to just hit ourselves on the head and say, It's a miracle that any of us over 60 are alive today. Because <laughs> we survived childhood without car seats, right? I mean, I remember driving down the highway, Dad said, You want to drive, Bill? Here, sit on my lap. Let me fill my pipe. While you're driving, you know, I mean, we, it was nuts. We were nuts. So many things, cribs with the wide slats, you could stick your head in and get caught, you know, and the, and the slats that came down and you could fall out, um, plastic mattresses, sleep on your stomach. That's no problem. Bike helmets were unheard of. Nobody had a bike helmet. You get out there, you fall off your bike, but get back up on the bike, come on, don't be afraid, you know, that was like, you don't have to work, we had so many things, secondhand smoke everywhere, everybody's parents smoked, you, you, you know, changing your diaper with your mother and a cigarette out of her mouth, and <laughs> you, you get on an airplane and you have to kind of wave through the fog, because all the smoke on the airplane. Uh, if you got paddled at school, you better watch out when you got home because you were going to get it twice as hard when you got home. And, and uh, yeah, I know Russ got paddled a lot when he was in school. <clears throat> you go out to play in the morning and parents never knew where you were. You were unsupervised. If you came home for lunch, that was the only time you saw them until dinner. And then it was when the street lights come on, you come home. Anybody else? It's a miracle. You needed to get somewhere you didn't have transportation. Jump in a car with any stranger. They'll get you there. Oh, my gosh. How did we do that? How did we do that? And now parents are all, I mean, it's good. It's good. It really is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, being able to know where your kids are all the time, put a chip on them, follow them on your app, you know, you're going to never have to fear that your kids, kids, uh, you better watch out. Your parents are watching you 24 7. So, you know, that's how it is these days. We've come a long way toward keeping our children safe and keeping ourselves, frankly, safe. We really have. And it's all good. It's all good, I'm sure. Uh, we live in this safety first culture but we've learned a lot about how to keep us physically safe. But I submit to you that we've not learned and we've not come very far on what makes our souls safe. And I submit to you that more important than our bodies is our souls. More important than, than making sure that, that, that we don't get hurt on the outside. We need to understand that you, we need to be keeping ourselves safe on the inside. And so We're starting this year off talking about soul keeping, keeping our souls safe, about uh, uh, recalibrating our souls, which is really the most important part of who you are. It's the thing that goes beyond this life. It's the part of you that goes on forever. And so it's the most important part of who we are. One of the resources that we're using, a book that our staff went through last year, by John Ortberg called Soul Keeping. I highly recommend it. Download it on Amazon. I think we have like two copies left in the back if you want to pick one up. First come, first serve, but don't get up while I'm speaking. So, um, so uh, that's back there, and, uh, and you can download it too if you want to see the digital version. So, one of the things that I want to talk about today that our souls need is, is safety, our souls need security. The writer to the Hebrews said this, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. Your soul needs an anchor. It needs an anchor. Why? Because the winds of life are going to come. The currents are going to sweep you, sometimes to places that you don't want to go or are dangerous for you, and we need to have an anchor for our souls. Jesus talked a lot about soul stuff in his Sermon on the Mount. If you ever want to get to a message that gets underneath the superficial kind of spirituality to what's really deep on the inside, you read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is how he ends it. He ends it by saying this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows is wise. They're like the person who builds his house on solid rock. And though the rains come and the torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. That house is your soul. That house is your life. Your soul needs a foundation. Your soul needs an anchor. And when we think of security for our souls... You think, well, the preacher's talking about getting your soul secure. Usually it's all about, you know what, if you don't get saved, you're going to burn forever in the fire's of hell, and so you better get secure and accept Jesus in your heart. And so we talk about soul security simply as fire insurance for the afterlife. But I want to tell you that your soul, it doesn't just need to be secure for the afterlife. It needs to be secure for the now life, for the present life, for what you're facing right here and right now. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Your soul needs security, and we are made to find our security in God, and in God alone. Genesis makes it clear. You remember when God created the heavens and earth, everything was beautiful day after day, and then finally the, 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 the crescendo of it all, God created mankind and placed them in the garden and said, here it is, it's all yours, rule over it. Be fruitful, multiply, it's all yours. Put Adam and Eve in the garden, said to them, look, it's all yours, everything. All the seed-bearing plant throughout the earth, all the fruit trees, it's there for food. You don't have to work at it. You're secure. It's all yours. Just avoid the one tree. You know the story, right? Over and over, we see scripture being a God who provides for God's children, Time and time again, Abraham in the, in, in, in the sacrifice with Isaac, God provides the ram for the sacrifice. The Israelites in the wilderness, God provides manna and quail. And I'm not talking punchkeys; it's manna and quail. And the widow's jar of oil didn't run dry with Elisha the prophet. The little boy's loaves and fishes turned into feeding 5,000. Over and over we see in scripture, the proof that God's, one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. We know that God gives us all the security that we need. God's going to provide. God says, look, I've given you this. I've given you that. Don't you see everything that I've provided for you? And we know that in our heads, and yet somehow, some way, most people do not feel secure. Most people live with a nagging sense that all is not well and I need to make myself more secure. Look what happened in the garden. They had everything at their disposal, but what did Adam and Eve do? They said, well, that's not good enough. We need to know ourselves. We need to be like God. We need to be able to provide for ourselves. And so they wanted to be like God. In other words, they didn't trust that God was going to be able to provide all for all their needs. And so we better compensate. We better, we better get outside of God's plan because we don't know that God's going to be able to come through for us. And in that stepping out to provide security for themselves, They didn't gain security, they lost it. And the same is true for you and me because we are Adam and Eve. We are those people in the garden. We are the ones that are constantly stepping outside of God's plans because we feel like we can do it better than God can. And we can do what God can't do. And we think that we're providing security for ourselves, but when we do that, we only make ourselves more insecure. And that's how sin affects the damaged person. After he sinned, Adam says to God, God, I heard you coming in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. Those are not the words of a secure person. I'm feeling exposed, so I'm going to hide. Now, what changed? He was naked before he ate from the tree and he's naked after. Why did he feel exposed at that point? Why was he feeling insecure? It's interesting. That's the first example in scripture where we see anxiety enter in to humanity because they got outside of God's plan. Anxiety comes, anxiety falls. And, and, and so I asked the question, do you ever feel anxious? Anybody besides me ever feel anxious? we live with anxiety all the time. All you got to do is turn on the headlines and you're going to feel anxious. You get up and put your clothes on and drive to work and your heart rate starts to be a little faster. You're always dealing with anxiety. Anxiety is such a normal part of life. We can't imagine what it would be like to live without it. But God had been nothing but good for Adam and Eve. And God provided everything they needed. Everything was under God's control. And yet they said, we need to take control. And then then anxiety entered in. God, I heard you coming, and instead of feeling at peace, I suddenly feel anxious. And that's the root of anxiety and fear. It can be traced back to our need to try to, try to fill up what we think is lacking, to do beyond what God expects of us in order to make ourselves feel more secure. God, I heard you coming, and so I feel naked. I feel exposed. I, I feel exposed. So here's what happened. All of a sudden, instead of looking around and seeing everything that was available to Adam, Adam all of a sudden said, I need something more. He began to look at what he didn't have rather than what he did have. I don't have clothes. Well, who told him he needed clothes? But I need something I don't have. And since I need what I don't have, I'm anxious until I get it. That's really where, where sin, that's sort of the essence of sin. It's this, it's this seeing the world through what I don't have rather than what I do have. And I'm going to do whatever I can do to fill up what feels like it's lacking in my soul. Teresa and I have a friend, beautiful, beautiful woman beautiful woman she she's intelligent she she's talented she came from a good home good parents a good income i've got a good education and yet her whole life has been looking through the eyes of what other people have and comparing herself with other people and always feels like she is not happy and needs to do things to make herself happy. And she's, her whole life has been one decision after the next, trying to make herself feel secure because she lives somehow, some way, incomprehensibly with this crazy sense of insecurity. And I know anxiety comes from a lot of reasons and there's ways to treat your anxiety. And and, and I'm nothing against that. But the greatest source of security is in God and in God alone. But because we feel anxiety and insecure and vulnerable, our souls lack security. And so we got to find it. And so here's some of the ways that we typically go to find security. Follow me if you would. We want security because we feel a lack of control, and so what do we do? We try to control the world around us. Right? Control is one way we try to get get get, get some security back. We feel safe whenever we can control our outcomes. We feel secure when we can control our children, when we can control our careers, control our coworkers, and other people around us. There's a great sense of security when we can control everything around us. And if you know a person who is a control freak, they are a very insecure person. And that's why they have that control nature is to make sure they don't hurt themselves. They got to fill up what might be lacking. Reputation, appearance. We want people to think well of us. So if we can just make ourselves look better. Make ourselves, make people think better of us. We we're going to find security, right? <clears throat> Much of our life revolves around looking good in the eyes of other people. I mean, think of the cosmetics industries, the public relations, the social media industry. Everything that we do is in an effort to make other people think well of us. And in fact, even if life is a mess, somebody asks you how you're doing. I'm good. I'm fine. See the facade, don't see the real thing. It's interesting, we were I was in Asia recently, and one of the things they asked, don't ask an Asian how they're doing, because they will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) They think you're sincere and they'll tell you how they're doing. We don't tell people how we're doing. We just I'm fine, I'm good. It's just a greeting. I don't think that's all Asians, but that just was where I was, and they said that's one of the cultural differences. We search for security and control, in our appearance and reputation. We search for security largely in finances, right? I mean, we're secure if we have securities, (laughs) right? If we have enough stocks and bonds, then we're going to feel secure. And I mentioned this last week. There's some truth to that, you know, it'll make you happier if you have enough to pay the bills and cover your expenses. But beyond that, it doesn't necessarily make you happier, but the problem is when we put our security in things and in stuff, we're a lot like the person we talked about, the parable of man who said, man, I made it. I got all kinds of stuff. I'm just, I got more than I can. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to store it up. And, and in the parable that Jesus said, he says to his soul, he says, soul, you've ample goods laid up for many years. Just, just relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that the goal of life? Well, it is for many of us and most of us. The problem with that, Jesus said to the man, guess what? This is your last day. And all of that is good for nothing. Today, your soul is demanded of you. And so when we put all of our hope and our security in earthly things and we get to the end of life, we're like the writer to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes who had it all and had more wealth than anybody in the land. And at the end of his life, he looked at it and he said, meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. Vanity, vanity. It's all vanity. He, he goes on and he talks about how, because I, was, I became greater by far than anyone else in Jerusalem before me. And yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, it's all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Nothing's gained under the sun. It just gets left for somebody else who didn't earn it and they might not like it or care for it the way I did. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I like the, the, another translation of that is fleeting, fleeting. It's all fleeting. It's here and it's gone. That is not a soul anchored in God. That is a person who had their soul anchored in all of that only to realize at the end that it was just fleeting, vain, meaningless. An anchorless soul is an anxious soul. It's a soul that is built and anchored on thin air. It's a life that's built on sinking sand. Compare the writer to Ecclesiastes to some of the beautiful passages to the writers in the book of Psalms. Psalm 46. Here's a soul that's anchored. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, God lifts his voice, the earth melts, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress goes on and he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's a soul anchored in God. David wrote in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom, of whom shall I be afraid? Now, you might think these are people that had life on easy street. It is the exact opposite. Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, had the easy street, and he had the anxious soul. These were people who knew the struggles of life. They knew they were facing war. They were facing battles, wars from without, betrayals from within, fighting, um, famine. They, 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 they had it all, and yet, and yet they proclaimed this deep soul satisfaction. Because their soul was anchored in that which was eternal, not which what was fleeting. Kind of like Jesus and his disciples the night they are rowing across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He's back there. Did Jesus snore? I don't know. I don't know. Do you think he snored? I think he probably did. I think he probably did. And all of a sudden, this this storm picks up on the sea and. The disciples are getting scared. The skies are dark. There's lightning, waves, thunder, waves flowing over the boat. They're afraid we're going to die. Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Can't you see we're going to die? Jesus says, guys, guys, where's your faith? He speaks to the storm and the stills. But that's the question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Is it in the storm or is it in the person in the boat with you? where is it? Where is your faith? Because that's the the soul that is secure, is a soul that has its faith in the right place. It's not in your reputation. It's not in your good looks. It's not in your zip code. It's not in your job. It's not in your 401k. The soul that knows that it's anchored is a soul that can answer the question, my faith is in the one who made me, who knows me best, who loves me most, who's always going to be there come what may. I love these words, penned, lyrics. I would sing it, but that wouldn't be good. And we would sing it, but you really need an organ to do it right. Martin Luther, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. And though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim, we trouble not for him. His rage we can endure for low. His doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit, the gifts, they are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods, let kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, but truth abideth still. His kingdom is for. Heaven. that is a soul anchored in god in god do you have an anchor for your soul i'm going to ask the band to come up and as they come i want to wrap up with a couple couple comments pastor scott scruggs suggests two practices to help you anchor your soul in god Two practices to help you anchor your soul in God. Listen to this as they're coming. First thing he says, you you want to anchor your soul in God? Then resist compromise. Resist compromise. Why? Because one of the ways that we try to protect ourselves from pain or uncertainty in life is by compromising on what we know God wants us to do. Because in those moments, compromise feels safer than obedience to God. And we think that if we can compromise, we'll avoid trouble or we'll make ourselves more secure. In other words, you're faced with financial uncertainty, it seems safer to misuse, to hoard your money, to hoard your resources. When you're faced with loneliness or relationship problems, it might feel safer to step into your emotions to act out sexually in lustful ways. When telling the truth is going to cause consequences, it feels safer to just lie a little bit, be deceitful, be manipulative. Those are all efforts to protect ourselves, trying to be safe. But they don't bring you soul secure, they actually rob you of it. Jesus said, we're talking about all the challenges that are going to come in life, and he, and he says, stand firm and you will win your souls. Stand firm. Don't compromise. And saying, well, am I, am, am I, does that make me a believer? We're talking about this life here and now. Obedience doesn't earn you God's grace, but it secures your soul. It helps you to anchor your soul. Timothy toward the end of his life writing to his young disciple facing death eminent death he says don't be ashamed of me of the testimony about our Lord or me his prisoner join with me in suffering for the gospel in other words don't compromise for God has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we've done but because of his own purposes and grace this grace was given to us by Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and, a, and an apostle and a teacher, and that's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame Because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Wow. I know that this suffering isn't isn't going to destroy me because everything I am, everything I have, it's God's. I've entrusted it all to God. It's all God's stuff. My whole life is God's everything I have, my family, my kids, my finances, my peers, it's all God's. And if it's taken away from me, I know one thing that will never be taken away and that's God. That's God. The soul is safe that entrusts everything to God. Have you entrusted your life to God? Have you said, God, here I'm yours. Take me as I am. Flawed, failed, sinful, here I am. All the junk, God, good, the bad, the ugly, I'm yours, take me. I want to put my hope and trust in you. I want, to, I want to start to live for the thing that's most valuable, that's going to help my soul find peace and have an anchor. I want to live rightly for you, God. So resist compromise. And then the other thing, it seems counterintuitive. If you're looking for security, for soul security, he says, Step out of your comfort zone. Well, see, that's counterintuitive because we always look for comfort and thinking that comfort's going to make us secure. But what he says in following Jesus, it's going to force you to get beyond your comfort zone, and it's only there that you will find soul security. So much of what we think is comfort-producing or comfort-protecting, like storing up treasures on earth, is actually going to crush your soul. It'll snuff your soul because... That's going to be where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart is, and your heart's on things that are fleeting, meaningless, and vain. But on the other hand, the things that are risky are things like forgiving your enemy. Things like giving sacrificially when you know it's going to cost you something to give to somebody else. To do something. It might cost you your time, your talent, your energy. Giving sacrifice when you don't have much to spare. It seems very risky, but for your soul, it's actually safe. It's better security. Stepping into following Jesus. When you live solely for more comfort and security, you think it's going to make your soul satisfied, but it just crushes your soul. This morning, we have a a small group of people that are out in the middle of nowhere in Haiti. And I guarantee you, their souls are far more alive than mine is this morning because they've taken a big step of faith and risk to do something big for God. That's a soul that is alive and that is anchored in God. There are no guarantees in life. Life's full of uncertainty. And uncertainty brings insecurity and anxiety. I was talking to a woman today, or this week, and, uh, about how to continue to move forward in her life, and she's facing some big things. The cancer diagnosis has come back for her husband. Her job is in turmoil. Her daughter's fiance just broke it up with her, and we're talking about how are you going to make it through this time of insecurity and uncertainty, and her comment after she thought about it for a few seconds she said, I need to stay centered in the midst of uncertainty. I need to stay centered. And I thought, that's a great answer. And How do I stay centered in the midst of uncertainty? That's where, if you have a center, if Jesus is your center, that's where you need to anchor your soul. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure do you have an anchor? Is Jesus your anchor? The hope of what Jesus is, who he is, what he's done for you, the life he's shown you, the life he's demonstrated, the example he's given, as well as the sacrifice he's made on your behalf. Is that an anchor for your soul that no matter what comes, you know, you know that you have someone who knows you best, and loves you most, It's going to be there in this life and beyond would you bow your heads with me please Jesus never said there won't be storms he doesn't promise that you're going to feel safe but he promises you that you have an anchor his love, his life, his grace his death, his resurrection secures your soul forever which means that it's with him and him alone that you can finally and ultimately and forever be safe you've not made Jesus your anchor today would be a good start maybe you maybe you had Jesus but you've strayed you've gone and it's like you need to come back to Jesus and maybe today would be a day for you to say Jesus here at the beginning of this year 2019 I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that my soul is anchored in the thing that lasts forever because what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is forever and I want to put my anchor in you, Jesus, and follow you and let you be the leader. Let you be the the guide. Let you be the Lord of my life. And I need you. I need you, Jesus. For those that are facing insecurities and anxieties that are above and beyond their normal life things, God, I pray that, that, that the knowledge that you are going to be here and go through whatever it is with them gives them a bit of peace today and the courage to stay true to you without compromise, living a risky life, and feel sure of who they are in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.